Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Paid for my life, God's perfect sacrifice, sufficient for me. The blood of God to atone, my sin you made your own. You have set me free. You alone have risen, you alone have saved us, you alone have rescued us from the grave. You reign now, all creation cries out You alone are king You alone Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. The first part of this show, what we attempt to do is to share with you who funds us and what our mission is. Victory Over Sin is funded by an advocacy arm of the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul here in the Treasure Valley. And what we attempt to do with those monies, if you will, is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out of incarceration and try to blend back in the community on parole. We do that in several different ways, but one of them is this radio show that we're, I think we're approaching 154 shows. So we go back over a period of time. uh, And if you go to the archives of KBXL and you look up Victory Over Sin, you can see all those shows. As you do that, you're going to see a lot of people, senators, uh, uh, people in the House of Representatives who've been on. Uh, We've seen individuals who have just walked out the first day of incarceration. You've seen people who are just about to go back in for incarceration. Uh, Different groups who actually work with what we like to call returning citizens and help them blend back into the community. Many of those agencies are represented. We've had pretty much every head of the Department of Corrections since I've been out of incarceration some nine years, all of those people have been on the radio. So you can go back and take a look at uh, all those shows at your leisure if you'd like to. We like to think it's a real good body of work to understand the Department of Corrections system here in Idaho. We would also like for you to get involved with that and to be an advocate for that because we would argue that you don't know anything about that. And the more you know, the more you probably need to get involved. In addition to that, we also do a PowerPoint presentation that certainly before all this COVID stuff, we would come out to your church, your group, your even your business and share a 20-minute PowerPoint session with you. That, again, is meant to spark some discussion on the process of incarceration here in Idaho. At the end of that 20 minutes, they, there is a question and answer period. And the great thing about that PowerPoint is that it is led by a person who's been incarcerated. So you're going to get firsthand knowledge as well as some facts about the system. So those things are ongoing with that. Uh, we do, um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we also now have an office uh, located at the corner of Benjamin and Emerald, and that is at 8620 West Emerald, as Suite 140. We're open from 9 a.m. to 1 to noon, every, Monday through Friday. This is also a place to go if you're needing information about a loved one that's incarcerated or you know somebody that's incarcerated or about to be incarcerated. Uh, Everybody on our staff has been incarcerated so they can give you the perspective of what it's like to be incarcerated here in Idaho, offer some insights. In addition to that, we try to be the spot where everybody goes to the first day out of incarceration. So that's what we like to do. Uh, It's important that people just out of incarceration have some kind of link, like a warm handoff, if you will, 
before they start their work back into the community. A lot of times we can provide that in terms of links to resources and certainly some support. You would probably think that with all this COVID stuff, uh, traffic would be down, but our offices are actually increasing in numbers as they go forward. A lot of people aren't seeing people on a firsthand basis, but we are certainly conscious, we're masked, and we work very well with the people who are coming out of incarceration who still have the same concerns. In the last couple of weeks, you've seen the numbers of confirmed cases rise in the, into the uh, Department of the Idaho State Department of Corrections, and we're doing our best to kind of help the Department of Corrections. We've been transferring some people to hotels as they transfer out through quarantine. Uh, we've been doing more and more of those kind of supportive rides and transitioning people in that first day. If you're interested in any or all of this, at the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with me. We could use your volunteer support and uh, any kind of information that we can have, we'd be happy to share with you. I'm excited about a guest. We're going to take just a little bit of different direction today, and we will be right back with him. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. Okay, today I'm I'm excited. Uh, we, we get to do a little bit different venue for us. I've got Mr. Anthony Perry on the line for us in uh, doing the show with us. Anthony is an interpretive specialist. He's a scheduling and research person with the Idaho State Historical Society, and he's based at the Old Penitentiary here in Boise, Idaho. Welcome, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. That's great. We, Anthony and I have kind of met, and we'll talk about how we've met over the last couple of years. But um, give me a little bit of information about you, sir. You're, are you a native Idahoan? I am, yeah. I'm, I'm a first generation. My parents uh, came from Utah and Indiana, respectively. But uh, I was born and raised here in Boise. I graduated from Bora. I even went to uh, the College of Idaho, so I haven't left the state yet. <laughs> so you've got good roots. So what, yeah. what caused you to say, oh, man, I know what I want to do. I want to work at the old pen. What caused that? <laughs> you know, it was kind of a happy accident. I was working for the Boise City Department of Arts and History for the city's sesquicentennial, the 150-year anniversary of the city. And, you know, that's that was 2013. It was just a, a year-long uh, adventure where we put up new exhibits about the city's history every single month. And then after that year was up, I, you know, ended my contract. I was looking for a job, and this job over here at the Old Pen opened up. And I thought, you know what? I love Idaho history. This seems like a great museum to work at. And I applied and, you know, started out as a part-time person and just worked my way up to one of the three full-time staff members here. Yeah, it's a, 
those of you who haven't been there, we're going to talk about it, obviously, the whole show. But um, I am was overwhelmed, like even where your offices are and um, the, how you operate there. It is, it's pretty cool. Give me an overview of the old pen from your perspective as uh, in your role with people coming out there. Yeah, so... I, I essentially work as, as kind of a, a site historian. Uh, that, as I said, there are only three full-time staff members, so each of us have so many hats. Uh, but I do a lot of research requests for family members who had uh, great uncles or grandpas or you know parents that were incarcerated here. And this institution was it was open from 1872 to 1973. So there's tons of Idaho history to pour through and and documents and prisoner files. And so I, I do a lot of that. I also uh, work on our digital media, including like YouTube videos, uh, capturing oral histories. And we also have a podcast here that I host called Behind Gray Walls. No, it seems like uh, one of the things you guys do so well is to do the social media aspects of promoting everything that's going on there. Is that Was that a passion of yours before or was just tell me how you went in that direction, I guess? Yeah, you know, it was it was just one of those things. It was kind of an essential thing to get the word out there. Uh, most people are on social media, so to reach them, you know, we create Facebook groups and and use our Facebook page and Instagram page constantly just to keep people in the loop and and let the community feel connected to this site because it is such a rich resource in Idaho history. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm impressed, and I think that's what you have to do in some ways. What's what we try to do, too, to, uh, but I don't do it as well as you do. But it's pretty, um, yeah, it's it's the way to get people's attention, just get them, uh, pique their interest to have them come out and see what's going on, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We met uh, first, and then we met on a project where we tried to get a gentleman who was, the la- Ron was the last surviving person, right, that was incarcerated, that, that lived in the facility. Is that true? Uh, he, yeah, so, yes, he was involved in a, in a riot in 1971, and it resulted in a, in a murder during that riot, and he, you know, has been in the institution in the joint ever since uh, due to his involvement in that, that prisoner's death, so. And for a brief time, he was released on parole, and mm-hmm. he and I crossed paths, and then it seemed like you and I were talking and it was like, let's get this guy out here and put him on film and take a look at um, uh, what he knows and how he knows it. And so we went through that whole process with him. It's in, if you need to look that up, that's uh, get in touch with me, but that's on St. Vincent de Paul's historical kind of perspective of, uh, if you look on their Facebook page, you'll, you can go back far enough and you'll find that, or you can just, I'm sure you Google it and you can find it that way. But it was an interesting process for me as we went through, we filmed him, and it was three or four of us going around with the camera, and he was going places to show us how they, he broke out. That was a, an interesting day filming, don't you think? Oh, my gosh. It was fascinating. I, I remember shaking his hand and asking him to repeat his name, and when he said Ron Masick, I was like, I've, I've researched you so much. I've come across your name so many times, and here I am, like my hand and yours, you know, looking at you. And it, it was, it was, uh, as a researcher, as a historian at the site, it was a pretty amazing day. Yeah. He was one of those crusty old guys that I ran across in Max. And, you know, it's like, he keeps telling the story and in prison, you're, 
You never really listen to so much. You hear what people say, but you don't listen to the story. And he's always crusty talking about what he's done, done, done. And, and so when he got out, we connected, and, and then he started telling us his story about the old pen. And I thought, wow, we've got to do something here. And so yeah. um, and it, we went out there. But you're right, I was just fascinated. He would say, like, over cement, he'd say, this is where we tried to get out of this place right here. We dig this hole here. And uh, it, it was truly an unusual day in terms of going around and filming him. I, it was a, a fun event. Yeah, yeah, and when visitors come here, like, I I never knew who who was the one who was tunneling out of maximum security there where that little cement patch is. Mm-hmm. So when he said it was him and he could see the officers, you know, walking around, he's got a bucket, you know, mop bucket above his head, and he's peeking out and seeing the officers going around looking for a tunnel, and there he is. Like, we we did not know any of that information before he came and visited and explained it. Yep, and then we actually tried to put him later on on a more of a creative kind of video thing too with uh, some people from BSU. Uh, you know, it um, Ron is um, he spent most of his life in prison, and so parole for him was very very difficult and challenging as it is for for many of us. And so he unfortunately didn't um, survive, and they, he's back inside the institution. Not sure when he's getting out, but. I'm sure he'll get another shot at some point in time. But I think he highlights how difficult it is to be ingrained in a system where that's what you do and that's the only thing you know how to do. And so freedom was hard for him. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we were saying. Is just like he is the prime example of someone who <laughs> needed a lot more help on the outside uh, but just just couldn't couldn't handle it. Well, and I think it's a front. He does need some more help, and it's a it's a real hard kind of issue for us, those of us who work with yeah. people coming out of the incarceration. How much do you help, or how much do you enable, and how mm-hmm. much do you say you need to face this? Is really now you really need to get a job, and now you really need to do this. And what it, I think what happened with Ron, and what happens with far, far, far too many people is they go back to an old pattern of behavior, and when they go yeah. back to that old pattern of behavior, that tends to be something that leads them to. Uh, e- either uh, using or some breaking some laws that make it difficult for them to stay out, and then POs have to make that PO meaning parole officers have to make that distinction of are they a threat to themselves or to society? And it was deemed that he was, so that's he's back in that situation. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but uh, my chances are we'll see him again. Um, tell me the types of visitors who actually do come out there on an ongoing basis. Is there a pattern or is there a characteristic that's unique to them or you know uh yeah there there's there's a couple different so there are people who just are fascinated with idaho history and they just want to you know see this historic site see how it was constructed all this and we also get a lot of school children um you know of course not right now with a pandemic but uh Typically, every spring we get thousands of fourth graders who are learning Idaho history who come and tour, and otherwise we get a lot of people who are into kind of the darker sides of history, and they're more interested in some of the more morbid aspects of the prison's history. Uh, And then beyond that, we get a lot of people who uh, were actually formerly incarcerated either at this site uh, or... um, from an other institution, and it's just kind of a, a reminder, a reflection of like, okay, this I, could, I could don't want worse, this. Yeah, could have been worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are, and you are within. I think I may have alluded to, but you are within the 
the um, Historical Society, the most popular site, correct? Your numbers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got, uh, that being the case, you've got an event coming up that I'm interested in on Saturday, which this is going to, so you're listening to this on Saturday afternoon. This is tonight, and so it starts at 6 p.m. Tell me what's going on there tonight. Yeah, so we teamed up with this uh, local arts collective, Swell, and we provided 32 artists biographies of, of women who are incarcerated at the Idaho State Penitentiary. And basically, they are going to uh, paint and sculpt and create different media telling the story of these women. And we it's just a, a huge artistic display, and you get to wander around and look at these art pieces, speak to the artists and, and their process of creating them. And you can actually take home a piece of art as well. Uh, you can purchase it. From, from the showing, and it's, yeah, from 6 to 10 p.m., $8 admission, and you can purchase your ticket on our website on history.idaho.gov before you visit. Is that, and that's, is it less expensive if you do it that way? Uh, you know, it just guarantees mm-hmm. your spot, because mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, we can only admit 50 people per hour, no, so, okay. yeah, it's pretty limited. We definitely recommend that you pre-purchase your ticket. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know because I haven't done that yet. So I need to hurry up and do that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, also, too, uh, in December, gosh, you've got me doing something out there. So what am I doing in December? Tell me what I'm doing. Yeah. So we host a thing called Captivating Conversations. And essentially, we just get folks from corrections or anything surrounding uh, corrections. We get guest speakers in to to discuss their organization. Uh, We've had a former inmate, a fellow named Chris Zavala, who served time here at the site, and he just kind of told stories and answered questions from the public, and we have that on our YouTube page. You can watch that whole thing. And with you, we'd love to hear about your story, about your time uh, in incarceration, and then, you know, your program now, uh, IMSI Hope Phase 2 and, and everything that you do there and how the public can get involved and help out with that. That's going to be fun. And like I said, I appreciate that. That's coming up in December, and we'll certainly make a reminder uh, as it gets as the time gets closer. Um, yeah, I apologize for uh, <laughs> booking you and then backing out. We so have a, a new up, exhibit you're opening up. Yourself. up. I wasn't even going to mention it. See, I was booked. And oh, I okay. Again, but Anthony just pushes me around because I've been incarcerated. So he said, oh, I can make this guy come later. So, no, that's okay. It's, uh, I think, Thank you. We appreciate think, it. Well, I think what, what we are attempting to do, Anthony and I, have been looking for ways over the last couple of years to spend more time together, to work together in terms of bringing what's in currently happening to people who are incarcerated in conjunction with the work that he does so that, again, the, the process, everyone benefits if you start talking about it because in the end what we're attempting to, what I'm attempting to do is to get people to understand how corrections, people who are incarcerated in the state of Idaho, affects all of us here in Idaho, all of us taxpayers. And so if you know, the more you know about it, the more you understand it, the more you're likely to, the next time you see one of those elected officials on, at the store or you're having coffee with them, you might ask a question about, hey, why is it this way and why is it that way? And that's the issue. You need to be the informed Idahoan and make sure that they're doing it the best they can do because some of us would think that uh, the Department of Corrections could use some a close scrutiny and perhaps take a look at uh, doing something a little bit differently. None of that will change unless you and I start talking about that. So 
uh, that's basically what I'm attempting to do. And I think Anthony gives me a credibility by looking at what we've done in the past and getting people excited about the situation. So thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. You've got yeah, we just want to bridge the gap between the this site and the history of Idaho's penology and, and what's going on today. I mean, often this is the only time that somebody gets to go into a, a prison, you know, willingly and have somewhat of an experience and, and kind of understand what what so many uh, people are, are experiencing right now. So. Yeah. So you've got lots of the fall is uh, your usually your fright night thing. You're going to do that again at Halloween, or you know, right now it sounds like we aren't hosting. We call it frightened felons, and that's our big Halloween event kind of uh, Halloween party. So mm-hmm. we're actually going to be hosting events all that week. Every night there will be a different theme leading up to Halloween. Uh, so we're still working on that, but, but yeah, we have several stuff. other... You've got some new stuff on the horizon for within the next couple of months. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So actually, at the end of this month, we have uh, an opening for a new exhibit that we uh, collected several grants for um, called Disturbing Justice. And it's all about the uprisings and riots that occurred here at the site. And we actually worked with a graphic, uh, an artist to illustrate the riots and so you can actually see them uh, visually, like portrayed. So, which is which is amazing. So that'll open up the week of August twenty second, and then we have uh, what we call thirteen stories. We partnered with I forty eight, which is Idaho's uh, competitive film festival, where local filmmakers have forty eight hours to make a, a video and send it into a competition. But we we didn't put the time limit. We just gave them stories like like we did for the 32 Cells for the Art Show tonight. Uh, we had these filmmakers recreate stories from the old pen, and that will be showing on September 10th through 12th. And then in October, we have things pretty much going on every week. So I just recommend you visit our social media pages and our website, history.idaho.gov, to keep track of all those things we have going on. Is that the best way? Is that the site that you want them to go to? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And any that or the Facebook page or the Instagram or anything else? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep, all those will work, yeah. Okay. So anything, tell me a little bit more about um, uh, best times to come, especially with the COVID kind of thing. Uh, I always seems like when I was there, I was always on a weekend. It seemed like there were lots of people there, not lots of people there. I'm scheduling a visit. Let's say I've got somebody coming in from out of town. What's the? What are your hours and when's the best time to ensure that I'm going to be able to get in? Yeah, so we are open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and right now we can only admit 50 people per hour. So the best thing for you to do is to visit our website and pre-purchase your tickets before your visit for a particular hour and show up within 15 minutes of that, and uh, and you'll get in. And if we do have tickets available at the door, we can sell them. But uh, weekends, we've been selling out quite a bit, so if you're planning on visiting on a weekend, definitely pre-purchase your tickets. Weekdays, you typically have a pretty easy time just purchasing them right at the door. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Like I said, uh, anything else that you that you want to talk about from um, your standpoint at the site? I, like I said, I like, it's taken you and I a while to develop this, but um, I like what we're doing and I want to make sure that in the future there's a, a chance for us to grow closer in terms of our different agendas for uh, promoting your place and for me, for promoting an advocacy for as people transition. And so uh, I, yeah. think we're on a, I think we're on the right path to do that. 
And um, I look forward to doing that. Anything else you yeah, want to talk about today? Oh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> no, we did good. I appreciate that. I send, Like I said, I think it's when community comes together is when we all start talking about an issue. And it's great in this instance to be able to look historically at what's gone on. And you can take a look at uh, what was happening back when the old pen was working. And then, man, take a look, drive down south of the airport and see how many institutions are there now. So it's much different, and there are many more people there now. So we've yeah. really grown, and we haven't quite figured out that 97% of all these people who are out there that are incarcerated are going to get out, and they're going to be our neighbors. So with uh, Anthony's help, we'll keep at educating the world. Thank you very much for coming on today, Anthony. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great speaking to you. Thanks, Mark. Okay, thank you. Through Jesus there's victory All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above Sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again I've got victory over sin Okay, if you need uh, information, Anthony gave the site out of Word Link to. I didn't realize how important it was to buy tickets in advance. I just walked out there always and gotten in. So we certainly learned that. So... Uh, if you need information on how to connect with him, you can do so through me. I'm easy to do. www.systemicchangeofid.com. If you want to send me an email, it's systemicchangeofidaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone at area code 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.